Hello everyone and welcome back to another edition of If These Hills Could Talk. I'm Tennessee Brando and thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I have got a great episode in store for you guys today. I sat down and had a really good conversation with my good buddy Superman Todd. Uh, first discovered Todd on uh, TikTok back in 21 when I started doing TikTok videos. And uh, like some political dude, he's one of the first creators to start sharing my stuff and stitching my stuff and he even went out of his way to make a video like, hey, there's a guy named Tennessee Brando that's out there doing this thing. And uh, so he really helped me uh, get this thing off the ground. And uh, I reached out to him, asked him if he wanted to be on the podcast. And he had never done a podcast before. Neither had some political dude. So uh, this is definitely the place for uh, creators who've never done a podcast to to dip their uh, feet in the water and uh, get their toes wet. And uh we had a, a a really good conversation. I knew it would be because he's someone who I always look uh, for his videos. Uh, I always look for his take on things, and he's always just spot on. And there's times where I may make a video reacting to something or uh, whatever the case may be, and then uh, Todd will react to the same uh, thing basically. And he'll say something that I go, damn, why didn't I think of that? That was, that was great. And that happened throughout this entire conversation. Uh, he and I, as we went, he was making good points and, uh, and I was just rolling with it. And one thing about this podcast is it's definitely an amateur podcast. I don't, um, I don't, uh, have notes in front of me. I never have questions written down. Um, I just have a basic idea of, where I want the conversation to go and I let the conversation go wherever it wants to go. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, we started off at this episode was recorded on nine 11. And so of course that's kind of where we started. And we talked about, uh, Todd's time in the military and talked about what it's the differences between Eastern and Western Kentucky. And, um, talked of course about Trumpism and Mitch McConnell and the Confederate flag and a little bit of everything, uh, that, that we could talk about. And it was a really great conversation. So I'm not going to sit here and bore you any longer. I'm just going to take you to it. This is my conversation with Superman Todd. You guys enjoy this one. All right. I'm here with Superman Todd. How you doing? Hey, doing good, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm so glad to finally get you on the show and have a conversation. Well, I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to it. Yeah, we've and we're recording this one on nine uh, eleven. So, uh, I thought yeah, we'd start off and uh, I made a video earlier that I'm going to post here in a little while. I'm going to edit it and post it here in just a little while. But I made a video talking about where I was on that day, and it's definitely one of those days. You know, I think for our parents, it was it was when JFK was assassinated, and for us, it's where we're you on nine eleven. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, I was uh, I, I was I was 21 at the time. I my, I just had my first son. He was uh, nine months old when it when it happened. And uh... yeah, I was uh, I was also I was about to turn 21. Uh, my yeah. birthday was just a few days after that, and I remember I was playing hooky from work. Yeah, uh, that day I I, I was uh, I was going to school at WKU and working part time at a car wash here in Bowling Green. And uh, me and one of my best best friends, uh, we we were playing hooky. We decided we were going to act like we uh, 
I don't remember if we acted like we had car trouble or acted like we were sick or whatever, but yeah, uh, we were sitting at the house playing PlayStation Two, the the newest big thing at that time. Yeah, and uh, and next thing you know, we were watching it on TV. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, I was in a furniture factory working, and a guy came running by me yelling, "They bombed us!" And he was saying they bombed us, you know. And it, so I was confused for a few minutes as to what was going on until my supervisor came and told us that. Uh, you know, planes that hit the World Trade Center. And at that point, you're just trying to wrap your mind around it. You know, you're trying, you're like, you're like, how did this happen? You know, and um, they they gave us the opportunity to go home if we wanted to or uh, go to the break room and watch it on TV. And man, I don't know why I just decided my line was all going to stay and work and I didn't really want to abandon them. And so I just kind of kept working because I felt like that if I went and watched it, it would, I wouldn't want to work anymore that day. And I, I, and I didn't know how bad it was, you know, it was one of those things where I thought, I'll just check this out when I get home. And so uh-huh. yeah, I remember going home and just sitting there in disbelief, you know, uh, as you watch it unfold, cause it just felt like he was almost watching a movie. It was like, it was so, so surreal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Me and me and my best friend who were sitting there playing PlayStation and somehow turned it off or somebody called us and said, Hey, turn the TV on. And, we we had both joined the joined the National Guard two years before that, and oh, uh, wow. I tell people I tell people this that when we walked in there, we walked into we wanted to go to college for free. That's why we went to. Yeah. That's why we joined the National Guard, and, and we we asked the the recruiters, you know, what's the chances that uh, you know we join? What's the chances we get sent somewhere? Yeah. And, and they were able to look us in the eye and be like, you know what, this unit's never never been deployed anywhere since the berlin crisis in 1963 wow and uh, and for us we're like oh okay cool we're never gonna have to go anywhere yeah and uh you know 10 years after 9-11 i was sitting in baghdad uh which which is a whole other thing like of you wow. know, they tried to try to convince us that those two things are connected being in iraq and 9-11 you know that, yeah but, but uh yeah 10, 9-11 changed the course of my life like in an amazing way oh man yeah i imagine so so did you uh so you're in the national so you you were in the national guard when 9-11 happened right yeah mm-hmm. and, and so like did you end up going to the army from there or how did that work so so we we were in the we were in the national guard and uh when 9-11 happened like pretty much instantaneously uh two two companies from our battalion got activated and sent i think they got sent to germany to like do force protection, uh, guarding the gates and things like that. We didn't, we are, we, we didn't at that time, but the next year we got, we got deployed, uh, to Bosnia for, for deployment. And, uh, you know, just cause, you know, as, uh, as you start sending more active duty units to Afghanistan and fighting in the war on terror, you got to send national guard units to other places and fill those gaps where, uh, where active duty units would have been. So, yeah. so yeah, we, we deployed to Bosnia in 2003. And then in, in, in 2011, I ended up in Iraq at, right at the end. We were the last ones there uh, wow. before we got out. Yeah. I imagine, uh, I imagine that was something else, man. I've, I've, uh, I've been following you since I got on the TikTok app and uh, uh, you were one of the first people really to start sharing my stuff and, uh, and letting people know I was out there, so you you really kind of helped me get my following off the ground. And as 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 I went along, I I learned I learned about that. And you know we're we're very like minded and and have a lot of the same political views. And that's that's uh, that in itself is you know 
a rarity in places like Kentucky and Tennessee. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. Know, we're, we're the minority oh, yeah. there. But I imagine you as someone who served your country, you know, I, I've, I've seen so many comments thrown at you that, that blows my mind because coming from the side that always talks about respecting the troops and, 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 uh, and all that, they're the ones that really drives that point home. I've saw uh, so much disrespect on your way because you disagree with them. And so what's that been like for you? I mean, as far as the ones. Well, you know, it's uh, the we support the troops crowd is a is a we support the the troops stipulations apply you know uh when it when you start talking about well you know there's there's thousands maybe even tens of thousands of uh of trans uh troops serving right now yeah Uh, how how many tens of thousands maybe even hundreds of thousands of lgd lgbtq uh are serving in our armed forces right now. How many millions in the in the in the decades, centuries before now, yeah, served in in our country? And like you know, I just I've gotten to a point where really none of that stuff even bothers me anymore. Yeah, uh, because the people who yell that stuff the loudest are the people who that they don't respect the troops a bit more than anything. They they send everybody we got. Yeah, uh, in the military right now, over to get killed to prove some point, uh, anytime. So yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't even think about that really. Yeah, it's just all it does is show who those people are. I mean, just, um, you know, the the <laughs> it, it really exposes that worldview. Yeah, because in those people's minds, when they say I support the troops, they have a maybe not completely always they have a, a view of a white person, but they have a view of a conservative uh, Trump loving individual is, yeah. is, is the person in their mind who serves in the military. Yeah. And who's straight. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, and, and the, the armed forces are the, it's probably the most diverse organization in the United States. Yeah, you know, it, it is it, every type of person, every type, every race, every ethnicity, every religion, um, everything a person can be, they're represented in the armed forces. So I don't, yeah, <laughs> people who think that, you know, the arm, I support the troops, but I don't su- support all these different things that are encompassed in in the troops. I. Yeah, just, they're just brain dead people who have no idea what the world is about. Yeah, and how how is that man? Like I've always wondered, like from from the inside perspective, from being in the armed forces, is it as is it as divided and controversial as everyone else makes it out to be? Or I mean, is there is there you know is there discrimination against people in there, or is it? I mean, I've always wondered what it was like on the inside of that. You know, I don't. I don't think that, uh, sure, sure. There's, there's every type of, are, are there, are there Trumpers in the military who, who, who think the way that those people think? Yes, of course there are. Yeah. Uh, but as an organization, as, as the multiple organizations that are in the armed forces that is that, um, you know, it's not really something people talk about day to day. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you got a uniform on, you have a job to do. The commander in chief is Joe Biden right now. And before that, it was Donald Trump, and before that, it was Barack Obama. And 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 it really doesn't matter. 
Yeah. Uh, everybody's got to do their job regardless of what they feel politically or socially. Yeah. And uh, I don't, it, it's not as this uh, idea that the, the, the military is this, uh, this conservative think tank. Yeah. Is this not true? Yeah, that's, that's a narrative they've done. I mean, I'll give them this. They've done a good job of painting that picture and creating that narrative. And like you said, when you were saying it, I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. They've, they've created this image in their head that it's the, the patriotic conservative singing Toby Keith songs, you know. Right, that, and, and the, the armed forces historically is the most woke or is, it is the, the te- trial and error um, organization in our society. Like anything that our society does, yeah, they first try it in the armed forces. You know, the, Harry Truman desegregated the military in 1947 yeah. Long before anybody passed any legislation that the rest of the country was going to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always been a place where liberal ideas as society changes and liberal ideas and liberal thinking changes our society. Those ideas first happen in the military. Yeah. That, that, that's a really great point, man. I've never thought about it that way, but uh, I've all, like, that's one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you because I know you've got a, you know, um, we're, I grew up in East Kentucky and you're out in the Western part of it, but uh, which I've always felt is kind of different. I've only been out there a time or two, uh, uh-huh. so I can't say that I've been there a whole lot, but it, um, you know, East Kentucky, it's uh, feel, feels a little different to me, and I, and I, but I, but I know we're still in that small town, uh, Bible belt mentality. And, and then I knew that, you know, you served in the military and I knew that I, I was like, I, I knew this would be a great conversation because that we would have those different talking points, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I mean, it is, it is a lot, it is a lot different and I'm kind of the same way. I, I don't venture out to Eastern Kentucky very much. I have, I've been through Middlesboro. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, dr- driven through it to go through the Cumberland gap a few times. And yeah. Uh, it, what is it like? Uh, I feel like, like a an asteroid or something yeah it was a crater like, supposedly yeah. it was a, uh, middlesbrough's the, the town built inside of a crater <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah something like that yeah it's a cool cool area but um it is different because y'all have got this long standing history of uh supporting unions because of the coal mines and yeah all that kind of stuff and and down here in western kentucky it's we've just never really had that is there's there was you know there's some strip mining down here and yeah everybody knew a few coal miners but it was never like a way of life here yeah um so i think i think socially and politically there's always been a little bit of a disconnect between east kentucky and west kentucky yeah uh in that in eastern kentucky up until recently um people identified even if even if like uh culturally socially like they didn't get behind the wokeness of progressivism they were always behind the organized labor wokeness side of yeah of progressivism whereas down here it was just like uh, oh you want to join a union you're just lazy yeah um so yeah it's a little bit different i think yeah, and I'm I'm right on the border. You know, I, I live like five minutes from the Cumberland Gap Tunnel, so I grew up in Middlesbrough. Like to me, like you know, uh, I was born in Tennessee, raised over in Middlesbrough, and moved back over here when I got out of high school. But like I had family on all three sides of the line, so to me, they just kind of all feel like the same state and the same place. Um, you know, I, I say we a lot of times when I'm referring to 
I could be referring to Virginia and I'd say, yeah, we got a new store, you know, <laughs> and it's uh, technically, you know, in a different state. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, I've, and I've seen the, the coal mining argument uh, change drastically over the years. It's, 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 it's crazy how that argument shifted and it really shifted with Obama um, because if you go back, I don't know if you ever watched it, but if you go back and watch the Harlan County war documentary, I think it was called Harlan County USA. Um, man, the, you know, they, they, they fought it out and, and that's why it became known as bloody Harlem was them fighting it out with coal companies. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, then when Obama got elected, they started this narrative that, uh, he had declared war on coal because he had told them it was time to clean up, to clean things up and stop poisoning our creeks, which is the same exact thing that they were saying in those old documentaries. And if you go back and read any book about it, he was basically saying the same thing that people in this part of the world had been saying, but, uh, yeah. He was a black guy saying it, and once he said that, and 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 they just turned the narrative to Obama's declared war on coal, and then there become this really weird um, thing rise up of people that was all of a sudden. I'm not saying that people were never proud of coal mining, but it wasn't something no one aspired to be. As a matter of fact, most people in this part of the world would say, "I never want to do that," or "I want to get out of here right. and get a better job." Nobody actually wanted to go underground. But suddenly you had like people taking their kids out for Halloween dressed like coal miners. And it just become this, you know, weird phenomenon to me. It was really weird. My dad was a coal truck driver, uh, you know, drove a coal truck most of his life and then switched over driving a log truck when they, when they started strip mining, you know, and even he, you know, even though he was in the business and part of it, even he was baffled by the way that, that it all just shifted. <laughs> and it was around the time that he retired too, when everything started happening and he was like, I don't, that's not what we were saying back when we were doing it. You know, the, the, the whole narrative changed. And, uh, right, right. Every every coal miner I ever knew wanted their kid to grow up and be something else. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now we'll, we'll have these, like, we'll have these, they used to have, they had more in a while, but they used to have these rallies. They would call them Hands of Coal, and all these people would get together and join hands in support of coal. And, you know, they would have all their anti-Obama signs and stuff like that, and it just, I, I don't know. It was one of those moments in time where you go, well, that narrative sure shifted. <laughs> and, and it was, well, it's the same way with, with, uh, with the troops and cops, you know, I, I, I never in my, my life growing up in a small town in Morgantown, Kentucky saw anybody walk up to one of the police officers and say, Hey, thank you for your service. You know, <laughs> exactly. let, let, let me, let me shake your hand and, and, uh, pat you on the back. Yeah. You know, it was, Nobody. I'm not saying people disrespected cops, <laughs> but we pretty much did. You know, yeah. you saw, you saw. Hey, there's a officer so and so, and God dang, I can't stand him. Yeah. Uh, but but this is you know to take that and and uh, in Eastern Kentucky too. You know, I, I've yeah. known people in my family, uh, people, friends, and things who are who are from the eastern part of the of the state who, who grew up coal mining or who grew up, uh, moonshining. Yeah. And, and, and they, you know, cops were villains for, for generations. Like, yeah. I mean, nobody was ever a friend of the cops in the, in no. the mountains of Kentucky. And now this whole political narrative of, of we support, we, we back the blue and, yeah. And, uh, and we love the troops when the national guard was the ones coming over and shutting down picket line or, you know, garden, garden, uh, these coal mining strikes and stuff through, through all the decades. Like nobody, yeah, nobody respected cops. Nobody respected the troops back then, but now it's, now it's an identity, right? It's, it, it is. And, and, you know, back, uh, you know, heck in Eastern Kentucky, man, all that, some of these hollers you go back into, 
I mean, you can drive for, you know, there was kids that I went to school with. I, I was actually, I, I, I lived closer to the city in Middlesboro. I was I actually technically, technically I was, I mean, we were in the county, but I could have went to the city school too. It was one of those situations where I could have chose to go to the city school, but I just went to the county because I always did. But uh, some of the kids, it'd take them almost an hour to get to school because they were so far back in these hollers, you know. Mm-hmm. And you would hear people all the time saying things like, man, I hope them pigs don't come back in here. I don't want to see none of them back in here. There's always like this standoff between them. And uh-huh. I've argued before, the number one show we watched growing up was two good old boys running from the law. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, uh, and then all of a sudden we now, you know, I, I, as a musician, I go out to play in these bars and all of a sudden I started seeing the, the black, the back, the blue flag. And I'm like, that would have never happened, you know, 30 years ago. Like that would have, or oh yeah, it would that that would have never been a thing. But they've definitely, uh, again, they've found ways to to capitalize on these things and get. I think more than anything, they're just really good at getting people's emotions stirred up over things that um, they they get they get they get they prep on their emotions to the point that they're no longer thinking reasonably. Well, it's all it's all rooted in as long as the cops are going after the right kind of people, right? Yes, yeah. that's, that's what it's about. It's about it's not about. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this backlash on this safe company, uh, like I think it's like Liberty Safes or something like that that sell gun gun cases and gun safes. Yeah. Well, evidently one of these one of these insurrectionists, uh, one of the federal agencies, was serving a search warrant on their house and they needed to open up this safe. And so they, they contact this safe company, provide them with this warrant and say, we need the combination for, for this safe. Yeah. And uh, so they, they gave it over to them. So, okay, you know, you got a warrant here. Here's the combination of the safe. The feds open the safe. I don't know if they found anything in it or not, but right now this big narrative that everybody's going crazy, the back, the blue crowd, any other time is like, uh, let's cancel the safe company. You yeah. know, they, they turn, they turn these, these, uh, this combination over to the feds, uh, who are, who are, who are, you know, they're, they're dirty. How, how dare they want to search the, the safe of some insurrectionist, Right. Yeah. Um, but the, the number of people who I've seen who any other day are like, you know, by God comply back the blue. Yeah. Uh, if it, if it, pertains to the right type of person yeah uh in their mind who are like you know what we got we got to stand up and we got to fight these these fed, these feds they you know they they can't be looking in our safe like okay well maybe don't throw over if you don't over try to overthrow the government yeah, yeah exactly. uh, maybe maybe you don't have to worry about that but yeah they, uh, they, they, sw- they change like you said it, it just depends on the situation and who it is um you know, and I've, 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 you know, there's one thing that we talk about January 6th. So, you know, I, I actually stayed home that day. I don't, I don't remember why exactly I, I was working, but I just remember, well, I, I, I remember thinking, well, first of all, I was at the place I was working at was a small little, you know, uh, warehouse. Everybody there was a Trump supporter and everybody there. What was so wild, man, I had one coworker say to me, like right leading up to that, he's like, man, if they don't turn this thing around and give it back to Trump. He said, you're going to see a level of redneck in this country like you ain't never seen before. We're going to take it back, you know, and he just <laughs> he just drove that home, you know. And I just I just didn't really want to be there that day. I, I thought more than anything, it was like, you know, I don't want to be standing here in this room when this shit happens. Because you knew something terrible. You just had it in your gut that this ain't going to probably end well. And so 
I stayed home and then I go back to work the next day and the same guy that told me that was like, man, that wasn't us. That was Black Lives Matter. It was Antifa just trying to make us look bad. <laughs> and uh, he got so mad at me because all I said back to him was, I said, well, I said, it's funny you say that because I said, yes, I said, they, I said but, but Friday there, I said, you was telling us we was going to see a level of redneck like we'd never seen before and that they was going to take it back come hell or high water. So how did it suddenly change? And he got so mad at me. He was working at my table and he got so mad that he went over to the other table and stayed for the rest of the day. Uh, because just, and that's all I said to him. But, you know, since then we saw like Tucker Carlson try to put this spin on it and they'll try to show different footage. But, you know, the, like they show the, the video of like opening the door and the people walking in and they're like, look, they let him in. I, I, they, I saw that when it happened, you know, like I'm sitting there watching that as it unfolded and, they showed that on TV and I'm like, uh-huh. and I'm, but the thought that went through my head was completely different than what would go through Tucker Carlson's head or that dude I worked with said, my thought was if those were black men coming through that door, that'd be a completely different ending. You know, I just had this, you know, and I know so many people uh, on the right gives me hell for saying that, but you know, at the end of the day, I always felt like, I mean, I know now they're starting to finally face some justice and face some prison time and things like that. But, I just feel like Trump would have reacted to that totally different and everybody would have acted, reacted totally different had it went the other way. Sure. And let's say it had been a group of, of black people that was like, no, we don't, we don't want this going on. And, you know, let's say Trump had won. Just I'm, I'm hypothetical here, but I'm just saying, say Trump had won and it had been Democrats trying to do the same thing. I just have a feeling it would have been a totally different day and would have ended, ended way worse. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're totally right. Um, and uh, but but these people, I mean, you bring up a good good point talking about that guy in the factory. Like that, these people don't even believe the things that they say. Yeah, like you can't even you can't even tell them. Well, you said this yesterday, yeah. and they can't be convinced by by even their own words. Oh, I know. You know yeah. this this, and th- I think that that uh, that is, I think probably the hardest thing about being on this side of the aisle. Yeah, in this in this part of the country. Yeah, is that there's never any moment where you get any sort of satisfaction of. Oh yeah, absolutely. I somebody that acknowledges that you're right, you were right about something. Yeah, it it is always, it is always turned around for yeah. you know that the whole the whole uh, we'll wait and see. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter how wrong somebody will wait and see. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's one of the most frustrating things. I'm, yeah, that's a great point uh, because you can give them their words right back to them, and they they'll tell you they didn't say it or that that ain't how they meant it. And there's just no moment of accountability. It's like there's, you know, I've told a story before in a video I made uh, quite a long time. I can't remember exactly when I made it, but um, it was back in grade school. I don't remember what grade we were in. I won't say we were around the fourth grade, somewhere through there. And uh, there was a girl there who was like the smartest kid in class. I mean, she was always had the right answers. And, you know, she's the kid you wanted to sit by and copy off the paper. You know, like uh-huh. that, that's who you wanted to do your homework with. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting there and the t- we're going over the state capitals. And uh, it comes uh, around that, and they ask what the, the capital of Kentucky is. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, I got stumped for a second. I'm thinking it's not Lexington. It's not Louisville, but I can't remember the name of that place. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. a kid going, I know it's not, I just remember thinking, I know it's not Lexington or Louisville. So that girl raises her hand with all the confidence in the world. And she says, Boonville. And when she does, the teacher kind of laughs at her because Boonville's in Owsley County, one of the poorest counties. And it's one of the smallest towns, like 150 people there, you know? 
Uh-huh. And she looked really puzzled and confused because this was the smartest kid in the class that answered that. We we thought she was going to ace it, but she said it with all the confidence in the world. You know, like she like she and she even looked at her book right before she said it, and you know, boom. And the teacher goes, uh, "No, Mary, that's not it." Like that, and she's like, "Anybody else got an idea?" Well, I'm thinking, wait a minute, Mary can't be wrong. She's right about everything, you know? So I raised my hand like a moron, and the teacher's like, yeah. And I was like, you sure it's not Boonville? <laughs> and, and she's like, she's like, no. She's like, no, it, it's Frankfurt. And then it kind of clicked that, oh, yeah, that's the name of that place. But I've often said that today in, in the Magna Republican world, me and that girl would have started a group that said, no, it's a deep state plot to make Frankfurt the capital, and it's really boonful, and we would have you know, made flags and disrupted class. And, it, and had we done that, though, we would have been expelled <laughs> and shut down really quick. It's like, like you said, there's no moment of accountability. There's no moment where you say, hey, you said this. Now, own up to it. And they go, oh, okay, you got me on that one. There's well, we can't, even, we can't even celebrate. There, there was never even a time to enjoy Biden's victory, you oh, know, no. um, e- even to this day. Yeah. The, the fact that these people think, okay, Joe Biden won by 7 million votes. Yeah. And, and, uh, on January the 6th, I, I remember Mitch McConnell standing up on the Senate floor and just saying, you know, this, were, this really wasn't even a close election. Like, well, like when it, when he's talking about the certification and, yeah. Uh, why? Why is everybody throwing a fit? This really wasn't even close. Like we we haven't even had a blowout election like this in the last couple of decades. Yeah. Um. And and these people still think that that, uh, that Trump. Yeah. Who got beat by seven million votes four years or three years ago now? Yeah. That uh, that he's going to as now as a defeated president run against an incumbent president yeah. who even even people like Newt Gingrich and other mainstay Republicans have to acknowledge the fact that Biden's actually done kind of good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 to, and then to, to, to think about how over the last four years or by the time the election happens in, in, in that four year time span, how many 18 to 22 year olds have just registered to vote in those four years who will be voting in a presidential election yeah. for the first time. And 80% of them are going to vote to the left. Probably yeah. the, the, these people still believe that Donald Trump, a defeated president running against a, a pretty good record incumbent yeah. is going to walk away with this. I know it's, it's man, it's uh it's insane. And, that, to me. and, and, and that's and, not even talking about the indictments. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, when you said a minute ago that we didn't get to celebrate Biden's victory, I don't feel like we've even got to really enjoy his presidency because it's just been so overshadowed uh, by the whole thing. Like, I remember him saying one time, he said, uh, like, right back when he first started, he said, I don't want my presidency to be, you know, overshadowed by Donald Trump. And I just remember thinking, I'm sorry, man, but it probably is going to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. And it has been. That's why that I don't think, you know, that he should go eat. Like, I, I feel like that. You know, I don't feel Biden should ever go easy on Trump when he's asked about him or uh, because, you know, he, he's, he is doing good things and he's doing things that's going to matter in the long run. You know, it's like the infrastructure bill, the things he got passed. Um, those are things that's going to have long term effects. And but people around here, they'll get all bent out of shape over gas prices and yeah, and yeah, things, yeah, things, prices, things that are going to yeah. go up and down regardless of uh, 
of who the president is. Um, but well, that that's because we're we're surrounded by people. Yeah, <laughs> not not just in Kentucky or the border in Tennessee and in, yeah. in, in the South as, as a whole, who <laughs> their entire political identity is wrapped around uh, keeping in power a party. Yeah, that uh, that wants to keep them so poor and keeps them so poor that the price of gas coming up or down by a dollar a gallon is a life-changing yeah uh financial hardship yeah and i wonder how many of these people though um that are the diehard trump supporters that are still hanging on i just wonder how many of these people were actually in the politics before he came into the picture who actually- you know i think i think there is i think you got got that right there i think that there there are people who who I don't know if they just left the apprentice celebrity apprentice yeah. whenever uh, it, it was canceled and were like, hey, we need something else to entertain us, and they just decided to go with watching him uh, in politics. Yeah, but but yeah, there's abs- there's definitely a class of people. I don't know what percentage it is who knew nothing about politics before 2016. They still don't know anything about politics now, but they think they do. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, I don't know how big that block is, but I think it's a significant number of people who, yeah, I do too. Before, before 2016, they, they probably never even went to vote. Exactly. And I feel like that had they not sat and watched reality TV and, and the way that reality TV is, is presented, you know, uh, I, I think they just had a steady diet of that kind of TV and they got used to that being the real world, no pun intended. <laughs> you know, they mm-hmm. got used to that being the model. And then he took that model over to, um, you know, to to the to, to politics. And I, I just feel like he brought a lot of people in. And I think that's why, you know, I do have some friends that uh, that MAGA supporters would call uh, rhinos. You know, I have friends that's like, man, I, I couldn't vote for Trump. There's no way I'm a Republican. I've been I've been Republican my whole life. But. And, and when, when you talk to those people, you understand that they've been voting all their life. They've got a better understanding of things. They've got a better uh-huh. grip on yeah. things. You know? Well, my, my dad is that person. Yeah. You know, my, my dad was a, was a Republican most of his life. And uh, for, for economic reasons, for, you know, policy reasons, you know, keep the government small and, yeah. and try, you know, the things that Republicans historically have said that they do, which, yeah. You know, it's up for debate whether they ever have. But I, I don't think my dad will ever vote for a Republican again for president um, in, in his lifetime. Yeah. And and really, and that's the thing is it's not just Trump now, though. These other Republicans, even at the state levels, have have got into bed with him in yeah. such a way that, that they'll never be able to disconnect themselves from Trump at this point. No. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I've seen so many people, you know, here in, here in Tennessee, um, like you said, I've, I've, I've saw politicians that now have kind of adopted his style, you know, and, um, but I don't know, my, my theory is, are they going to be as successful as he was? Because like, I don't know if you've been paying attention to that, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy guy, but mm-hmm. man, he, he went on an interview. I can't remember. It was MSNBC, I believe. And they just start fact checking him right to his face. And he's like, I never said that. I never said that. And they're like, yeah, here you did. And he's like, oh, and he's just totally during headlines. And he doesn't, to me, have the ability to, to continue to spew the bullshit like 
Trump camp. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I just sometimes wonder, these people, once Trump's gone, once he's out of the political arena, then the ones that's left doing his act, are they going to be able to carry it on? Because well, I, a lot of them gets tripped up to me. A lot of them don't pull it off, and I'm not trying to give him any credit. I'm just saying that that is his shtick, and he's good at it, at what he does. And a lot of these guys are, to me, are fumbling the ball with it. Well, Ron DeSantis is a perfect example. Uh, you know, he's even tried to mimic his his uh, physical movements oh, yeah. and gestures. And I don't I don't know what the poll numbers are for DeSantis right now, but nobody's buying it. Yeah, uh, and he's he's having no success uh, outside of Florida. I mean, he's he's still the dictator in Florida, very efficient at it. But yeah, um, on the national level, I don't think he's got any real chance. Yeah. I heard a guy the other day make a really good point that I hadn't thought about. He was talking about how that, you know, Trump's, I think, and I don't know if I got this number exactly right now because they change every day, but he was polling at like 55%. And then everybody else that's running makes up the other 45%. And they was like, okay, so let's say Trump does become the nominee. Uh, okay, now he's he's become the nominee for the Republican Party, but now that leaves 45% of the Republican Party that didn't want him. Right. You know, and, and what's that going to do? Uh, come election day, are they just going to set it out or stay home or vote the other way or, you know, uh, how will that go? And I, I, I mean, I can't believe it. I mean, honestly, I mean, I remember on January 6th, the thought that went through my head as bad as that was, I was like, okay, well, at least this, this by all means is the end of Trump. I thought this, this has, yeah. to yeah. and, and here we are sitting here all the, you know, years later and it's still going. And it's like, it's like something that, you know, can't escape <laughs> well i think he just fell in the perfect in the perfect time frame yeah you know uh, he ran for president in 2000 uh the world just wasn't ready for it because uh the internet was still brand new and it hadn't corrupted the minds of all the boomers who weren't ready for it yet yeah um all the people who got who are who are going to eventually get lost in the rabbit holes of QAnon or yeah, or every other conspiracy theory that there is uh, had not happened yet. So right, I think right where he hit in 2016, it was just the perfect time mm-hmm. for for his little brand to take off. Yeah, definitely was. You you mentioned Mitch McConnell earlier, and I, I definitely wanted to talk about him because you could we can have kind of the Western Kentucky view versus the Eastern Kentucky view. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it is out there, man. But I can tell you, like, I've, I've traveled so much around this part of the world playing music, traveling every backcountry road, and I have never really saw a bunch of like Mitch McConnell bumper stickers or Mitch McConnell flags or Mitch McConnell flyers anywhere. And if you talk to people in Eastern Kentucky that I've met, nobody even likes him. They'll all admit that he's a crook. But then when you say, "Well, why do you guys keep voting for him and have been since 1982?" They'll say, "Well, at least he's not a Democrat." Yeah, that just seems to be the thing here, and it's it's a weird thing because he's not a guy that I feel is loved here, but he continues to get voted in every time. Yeah, it's the same. I would say it's pretty close to the same here. Is uh, I'm actually from a county that has historically always been Republican, mm-hmm. um, even in the days of the rest of Kentucky being all Democrat. Uh, Butler County, Kentucky was always a Republican stronghold. And if you ask people there, what does Republican be even mean? Most of them probably couldn't even tell you. It's just kind of a pride thing that we're all 
hey, we're Republicans. We always have been. But uh, even there, Mitch McConnell was never really that popular. I mean, the guy, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed to even prove he was a Kentuckian, honestly. It was the guy ever set foot outside of Louisville uh, at any point in time other than to go to a campaign stop somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, the, I, I love it. Uh, not long, let's see, his last election – would he get reelected? He get reelected in twenty twenty one. I think, yeah. Uh, what, whatever, or, or twenty nineteen. I can't remember whichever one it was. Um, yeah, I think it was twenty nineteen. Yeah. So, so he got reelected, and he beat Amy McGrath yeah. by like, yeah. He he got like, he beat her by almost thirty points. I feel like, yeah. It, it was it was not even close. Yeah. And so after he did what he did on January the 6th and, you know, basically just spoke words that anybody who's not crazy would agree with. Hey, this wasn't <laughs> even a close election. Why? What are we even talking about here? Yeah. The the Republican Party headquarters from from Butler County all all met at the uh, at the country kitchen, both spelt with a K, the country kitchen. We have one of those, and, too. <laughs> and and signed a uh, resolution to censure mitch mcconnell wow. um, and it's like y'all y'all just and he won that county like 80 to 20 wow like you guys just y'all y'all just voted 80 percent of the whole county just voted for this guy and now you're saying you're going to censure him that's that's the thing about mitch is he's he's never had to work for for re-election he knows no. it doesn't matter no. he, he's got kentucky and he'll he'll they'll ne- at this point kentucky will never Mitch McConnell could be the senator here if he lived to be 120 yeah. and was hooked up to a life support. Yeah, and they put his brain in like a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. uh, he he would still be able to be reelected here. <laughs> yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and and it's you know it's 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 so awkward to watch these uh, freezing moments and uh, and go man that you know. I, they, they give us uh, every day. I have somebody tell me that Joe Biden can't complete a sentence. Uh, yeah, and then you know, like you said, they they'll, they'll stay behind him. And it, uh, you know, the one thing is is to me the first time he froze that my dad. Now my dad switched over. Uh, dad was Republican up until I think ninety two. He switched over and voted for Clinton, and he's voted Democrat ever since then. But um, Dad's never been a McConnell fan at all. And uh, mm-hmm. but Dad was like, "Did you notice how they just tried to like?" push him back out there and get, get him to say, I'm okay and everything's fine. They, they uh-huh. focused more on that than they did, like taking him somewhere and setting him down and seeing if he was okay. It was more like, right. hey, let's just... Is he about to die? Yeah. I don't know, but, but, tell, but tell him you're okay. <laughs> yeah. And so that was crazy. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about, though, man, uh, not getting ahead of myself here, but uh, one, of, one of my favorite uh, style of videos you do, and I, I just love the way you break it down, and I, I can't lie, draw influence from a lot of it, is when you talk about, uh, when you respond to these people who makes these tired arguments about uh, the parties didn't switch, about, you know, the Democrats of the party of the KKK, um, I love your rebuttals on that. I've always felt like that yours is the best online um, when you come back on those people that, that make those tired arguments every day. And um, so that's, that's definitely something I wanted to touch on with you because I just, I just love the way that you just come straight at it with the truth. And, uh, and it's interesting how these people will continue to, they'll, they'll, like you said in videos, I'm not, I'm not quoting you exactly, but you talked about how that, okay, 
they'll say the Democrats are the party of the KKK and they'll come up to a certain point with that and then they won't go on because if they went on, they'd have to admit the party switched. Yeah, right. So it's, oh man, that that's one of the arguments for me that really proves that the other side has no intention of having any sort of honest conversation about anything. Yeah. Right. Is is like, you know, we, we, it, it is without, it, it is without even question that the Democrat party owned the South Yeah, from the civil war up to uh, the 1960s. Yeah. Like to, to the point that, you know, in, in states, like, you know, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, there were not even Republican candidates in most elections. Yeah. Local, local state elections were decided in the Democratic primary because the Democrat Party had such a stranglehold on the South. And uh, the basically the only voting block of people in the South who were voting Republican uh, up into the 1950s, 1960s, was was uh, was black people. Yeah. Right. I mean, so then to make the argument that okay, 1964 civil rights happened, and they're argue these people's argument is you know Lyndon Johnson was just trying to manipulate uh, and get the black vote, and that's why he did what he did, and from that point forward, they will acknowledge. They acknowledge that black people started to overwhelmingly vote Democrat after that, mm-hmm. um, but then not acknowledge. Okay, so how did the Republicans then gain this grip on the South? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you know, like uh, all the people who were voting for Republicans stopped voting for them, and then all of a sudden Republicans are now the dominant political force. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't even get them to. OK, so obviously your papaws were voting Democrat. Yeah. And now papaws grandkids are voting Republican. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't even make a sense, make sense to try to argue that. Yeah, I know. It's it's, <laughs> it's an argument I get almost any time I bring up uh, any subject about race at all. I'm going to get that comment in my comment section uh, 10 or 15 times from somebody. And um it's just um, like you said, and that's that's really the thing with a lot of their arguments, man. You just you hear them and you say, well, these these people aren't really wanting to have an honest conversation or an honest debate. And um, I've had people, you know, want to they'll, they'll they'll send me private messages. I want to challenge you to a debate. You ain't got the balls to debate me, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not gonna sit there and debate you. Like that's not a debate. Mm-hmm. Trolling is not debating. You know, right. Um, and I think I think a lot of people, though, are of this mindset that if they troll and they're loud and they're obnoxious and they 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 they, they, they scream the loudest and come up with funny names. It's funny because, you know, like how, how and it's all I go back to Trump. It's, it's they're all imitating his style. You know, they'll they'll call uh, he calls Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious and sleepy Joe Biden. And, you know, and I have people yeah. calling me Tennessee Dumbo and Tennessee brain dead and all this stuff. And it's just, and, and I'm like, I ain't going to sit down and waste my time talking with that because my whole argument has been, you know, on the left, there's a much wider spectrum of people with a whole lot of different ideas. And I feel like I can have people like that on the show, talk with them about things. And we're, 
we're going to agree and we're going to disagree, but at the end of the day, we're going to have an honest conversation and it's not just going to be two people slinging a bunch of mud, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, (laughs) I I get the same thing, you know, uh, let's, let's argue about, let's have a, a debate, but it's a person who, like, if we can't even agree that there was, there's some ide- at least some ideological switches in what Democrats were doing yeah. pre 1960s and what they're doing today. Then, then there's nothing to debate. Yeah, and oh. uh, and that that same line of thinking. The last couple of weeks, my feed, my TikTok has been covered up with uh, with this argument. Yeah, and uh, and and these uh, I I got hit hard with the multiple creators whose identity is blacks for Trump. Yeah. I saw, um, I, I got, a, I got a whole lot of that and I really wish I could, I could sit down and have conversations with people about, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about some of the things that I want to talk about and get it in a three minute TikTok yeah. without it being completely, turned around and made and made to be you know that i'm racist or something or whatever but you know for for me it's it's uh there's a big point to be made about i totally understand that there are there were a lot of democrat politicians who were actually very racist people yeah individually like lyndon johnson 100 percent a racist yeah the guy it's well known He, he was from rural texas grew up was born at the turn of the 20th century and grew up in rural Texas in segregation. Of course he was racist. He used racial slurs. He was a, on top of being a racist, he was a, a totally just reprehensible human being, you know, whipped his, whipped his pecker out and showed it to everybody. Yeah. You know, that's that's why we called it Johnson. Yeah. And, uh, but, but the fact of the matter is like, uh, you have to be a smart voter though. Yeah. Like, like, uh, yeah, Lyndon Johnson was a racist, uh, but he delivered the biggest civil rights legislation of the 20th century. Yeah. And and the guy he ran against, Barry Goldwater, you can make the argument, you know, Barry Goldwater was not nearly as racist of a guy yeah. as what Lyndon Johnson was, but he, he hitched his political wagon up to a group of people that promised that they would uh, stop civil rights legislation from happening. Yeah. You know, uh, Harry Truman, Harry Truman, no doubt a racist came from Missouri. His, his mama's family owned slaves. She was, his mama was still alive when her parents slaves were emancipated. No doubt he was a racist in some way, shape or form, but he integrated the armed forces of the United States as like one of the first big steps toward, toward, uh, toward integration in this country and uh that's just the arguments i hear all the time lyndon johnson was a racist i have no argument against that yeah he sure was yeah you know and this this argument of even today you know joe biden's a racist joe biden might be racist i don't know yeah uh he's an 80 year old man yeah 80 year old white man in the united states the chances that he's not racist in some way are extremely low yeah, exactly. Uh, but but he's hitched up his political cart to to a platform that's doing things to make sure that racism is ended. 
Exactly. We're trying to move in that direction. And this argument that I kept getting this this last week, you know, well, Donald Trump, he's a he's not racist. He won the the Rosa Parks Award and Jesse Jackson re- recognized him in 1980, whatever, for his social justice. Like, yeah, OK, I'll even give to you. I will entertain the fact that Donald Trump as an individual, as a as a man is not a racist. Maybe he's not, but yeah. he is. He's attached himself exactly to a political movement yeah. that causes white supremacists to line up to suck him off. Like, yeah, I, it doesn't <laughs> matter what he feels personally. What what's he doing? Exactly. That's 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 perfect, man. It, it's so true. Um, and they don't see that. But I uh, I did see that you had some of those creators do that, and I had the same thing happen to me. Uh, except it was on YouTube. Uh, there's a guy named Officer Tatum who's uh, got a pretty big following. He's a black conservative, and he used one of my videos to to basically just laugh at me. Kind of like the, those, uh, I can't think of their name, the twin brothers that just pretty much oh, yeah. Yeah, and laugh constantly about. at everything, you know, and uh, that's kind of what he did uh, in one of the videos where I was talking about race. And uh, he even made a comment. Like, he, he, he used several creators on TikTok for the video. Um but when I he let me go first, like, okay, I'm gonna let the white man go first now. I'm gonna let the white man go first. He just laughed it up and played a clip of me. And um, you know, I actually uh, I actually reached out to a, a friend of mine, Coach D, who's another creator, and I was like, you know, I uh, I want some advice here on how to go about combating this because you know they they will make these arguments. They'll they'll always throw the the Malcolm X line at you. Mm-hmm. About how that Malcolm X said. Uh, were the you know the white liberals the most dangerous one or whatever uh they'll always throw that line and uh coach d was like well man i always point out that you know these black conservatives they they never call out the racism that's in their comment section if you go to the oh, comment yeah. section it's filled full of it and they never call it out they only call out the never. ones who like they only call out the people like you and me basically you know yeah I, I i went through i don't remember which creator it was that really do edit me or stitched me or something a couple of times and he didn't have a huge following he, he had a few thousand followers i think but his yeah. video hit the algorithm a little bit and i went into his comments and and like there there are all these confederate flag waving obvious white supremacists in the comments like hell yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah you know saying saying everything shy of yeah yeah you're one of the good ones you know that's yeah that's and they never they would never address you know the 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 comments that were obviously uh people who were holding racist thoughts you know like like hey you're they point to somebody like you or me who which I, i don't know how to say this on on tiktok that i'm not i intend whenever i'm talking on my tiktok I feel like I'm I'm talking to people. My audience is people like me. Yeah, uh, I'm talking to liberals who grew up in the South, and I don't speak at all. I'm not intending to speak at all on the experience of Black people. I have no no way to do that. You know, yeah. I have I have. But uh, anyway, I I just uh, yeah that 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 that. Uh, Last couple of weeks, that, that that bunch of, of of folks hit my algorithm, and and being like, "Oh, you're trying to talk, you're trying to talk for black people, and we're sick of it." Like, yeah, 
I have never once in my life yeah. tried to talk for black people. But then the people in those guys' comments will, who will say, yeah, most most black people don't get it, but you do. Like, yeah. why are you not – why are you not reaching out and wringing that guy's neck in your comments? Why are you not stitching him and saying, Hey, I don't need you to talk for me either. Yeah, Uh, exactly. That's, that's never, that's never a thing with these creators. Yeah. And I've said that too, you know, I I feel like that I'm talking to uh, like the whole reason I call this podcast, if these Hills could talk, I had an idea that, you know, if, if the, the progressives and the liberals could have a voice, if they, if they could have a, you know, cause we never really get the microphone. You know, I've always been trying to talk to, to people like you, you know, that are, that are fellow. We have a lot of similar viewpoints and grew up with the same kind of backgrounds. But I'm also in my mind, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm reaching someone sitting on the fence, someone that might be. You know, oh, yeah. I, I had a young man reach out to me. He was from up around Berea, Kentucky, and he reached out to me and said that he started watching my TikTok videos. And he actually voted for Trump in 2016, which was the first election he was ever able to vote in. And he actually just came right out and told me, he said, man, I. He said, I voted for him because I just was taught Democrats were bad. And, you know, I voted for him. But then he, he goes to college and he, he um, you know, met a professor there that was a lot more liberal any and progressive. And she started talking about things with him and, and things started making sense to him. And then he, believe it or not, got on TikTok, started listening to people like me and you and was like, hmm, you know, maybe this stuff I've been taught my whole life necessarily ain't true. And so... I know that a lot of times it's loud on our, uh, the, the, the comments coming at us is really loud. It can get frustrated. It can make you want to pull your hair out. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people sitting back watching going, man, he, that guy's saying something or he's got the guts to anyway, you know, and uh, that, I think that's why people like us just needs to keep talking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, at some point, at some point we changed our minds about things that we were told. Oh yeah. I definitely uh, did. So it, it totally, it happens. Yeah. Uh, I definitely did. And I, I've made videos. One of the videos that first blew up for me, uh, one of the early ones that did, uh, told a story about the day I threw my Confederate flag away. You know, mm-hmm. um, I grew up, you know, watching the Dukes of Hazard. So, you know, I had the little General Lee car and I had shirts with the General Lee on it and the flag was on the shirt. And, you know, I uh, listened to bands like Leonard Skinner and Alabama and Hank Williams Jr. And they all had it behind them. And, you know, I understood history. I did understand. I, you know, I was my, my my grandparents was always they were my grandfather, especially was a history buff who was always teaching me things. But still, I I kind of fell into that crowd of people that was telling me, man, that it's not really about hatred. Now it's about Southern pride and Southern heritage, and yeah, you know, they went that route with it. And so, you know, in my mind, it was like it just means Leonard Skinner. I don't mean nothing by it. I just mean Freebird. You know, man, I was in this. I was in the same. I was in the same boat too. Yeah. Because I was, I was a big history buff. I majored in history in college, and uh, I always loved history, Civil War history specifically. And yeah. uh, I, shoot, I, I remember a time in the late '90s, early 2000s. Somehow or another, I ended up on some mailing list that caused me to get like a a pamphlet from the Sons of Confederate Veterans. Yeah, and and I remember specifically. Uh, looking down the criteria of how you could join yeah you know and being like oh do i have a do i have a family member who i could trace back and and be a member of this like i yeah i, I there was not a, a a bit of hatred behind that idea i i i not for one 
second did I think, oh, you know what? Maybe this is a bad idea. Yeah. And uh, maybe this is uh, something that I shouldn't be attached to in any way, shape, or form. But I, I totally, at that moment in time in my life, thought, oh, shoot, yeah, just, just honoring, honoring veterans of, of, the, of the Confederacy. Like, it, it, there's nothing racist about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's funny, you know, I, I mean, I've got friends today that, that, I, that I, that's where I've lost a couple of friends along the way. Uh, well, not completely lost them, maybe, but definitely lost them on that argument was they would hear me talk about the Confederate flag and they'd like, wait a minute, man. Like, you know, we used to get together and jam Skinner tunes together and there was one in the room and what are you saying? <laughs> you know, and, and I've had people point like there's a spot in Freebird the movie where they're, it's in, they're in England and somebody's waving a Confederate flag and Ronnie Van Zant points at one point and says, don't let that flag hit the ground. And I've had more people point that out to me over and over again. And then I point out something that ultimately pisses them off uh, there was an interview Ronnie Van Zant did right before the last tour in 1977, where he talked about how he was thinking about bringing the flag down because of the kind of people that it was starting to attract to his shows. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I don't think they used it on the final, which the final tour literally only started like in August and then the plane crashed in, in October. So it was a short lived tour, but, but when, when you go back and find that interview and show it to him, it makes them so mad. Uh, but, you know, I just think that, that as you grow up and, and I think it's important to, to, try to, to try to grow and understand things and one day go, hey, just because this meant something to me or just because I, I tried to, you know, I tried to, uh, to well, find justification for it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, one th- it's something people fall back on all the time. Well, that's just the way I was raised. Yeah. And coming to a point where you you start to realize that some of the things that you were, some of the ways that you were raised, I mean, and, and, and acknowledging that you're raised by more than just your parents. You're, you're raised by the community that you're in, the school that you go to, uh, the church that you go to, um, realizing that a lot of the people that you, you care about, that you think are some of the best people in the world to you. Yeah. They taught you things that were wrong. Like that's a hard yeah. thing to accept and wrap your mind around. And I think that, that, uh, a lot of the efforts of the, of the typical conservative are to protect those ideas of, of the people they love the most. Yeah. And never, so come, and never come to terms with having to deal with the fact that, uh, even though you love, uh, your Sunday school teacher or your preacher or your school teacher or, you know, your neighbor down the road or your mom, dad, or grandma, that some of the stuff they talked to you was just totally bull crap. Yeah. I can remember, man, uh, it's, uh, my grandmother on my dad's side. Uh, I remember going to church, uh, with her when I was a kid and we go in one Sunday and, uh, a black family comes and, and they walk through the door. And I mean, this, this was an all white church. I, I probably never been a black person set foot in it. So mm-hmm. the black family walks in. Everyone was nice to him. No one said anything to him. No one was. No one asked him to leave. Nothing like that. Everyone welcomed him in. But uh, my grandfather was a deacon, you know. And at the end of the service, everybody goes around, shakes hands, and we all shook hands with him. My grandpa shook hands with him and everything. And then I remember we're riding home, and I can remember my grandmother going, uh, "Who were they? Where were they from?" And my grandpa was like, "Well, they were from Florida." He said, "They're not from here. They just moved here from Florida." And uh, he said, I, he said, they didn't know any better. He said, they didn't, they didn't know 
our church. He said, they didn't, they didn't know who we were. He said, so I told him about this church over in Middlesbrough that's you know an all-black church that that would probably be better suited for them to go to. <laughs> and I remember hearing that as a kid going, just as a kid, it kind of hit me in my gut, kind of like, that's kind of, that's kind of fucked up. Like, it was yeah. like, you know, we just got done shaking these people's hands, but he told them that they would be better suited there. But the story does have a better ending because years later, my grandmother, that same woman that made that comment, years later, she voted for Obama, ended up voting for Obama twice. Uh-huh. And uh, it was so wild because like, my family hates when I tell that story. Like a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people on my dad's side of the family can't stand for me to point that out. But she literally stood up at Sunday dinner one day and kind of dinged her. Um, she dinged her spoon on her glass. Like, I need to tell y'all something. She's like, I'm going to tell y'all because I know you'll ne- I know you'll never believe it. She's like, but I'm going to go to the poll. And she's, I've been praying really hard about this and I'm going to go to the polls and I'm voting for Obama. She said, I voted Republican. She said, your, your grandpa, it took me to vote for the first time. And he told me just vote for everyone that's got an R beside their name. And she said, I've done that my entire life. She's like, but it's the way that I've seen people talk to him and the way I've seen people talk down to him and the comments I've heard people made uh, toward him. And she said, he just seems like such a good man with a beautiful family. And I don't understand why everyone's got to give him such a hard time. And uh, she ended up voting for him twice. The second time she voted for him, she did it from the hospital. She ended up dying in that November. She, she wrote it in a write-in ballot you know, uh, from the hospital. Yeah. But, um, but I just remember growing up and, and hearing stuff like that said by people I love, you know, and the thing about my grandparents and my grandfather, one of the good heartedest dudes you could ever meet, um, you know, would have helped anybody at any point. He, he was really that guy too. Like he was always the guy who had the, the old, uh, CJ five Jeep, you know, that, uh, and people was always getting stuck around here in, in these in these backwoods and stuff, and they'd always come to my papa, oh, hey, can you bring your Jeep and pull me out? He was he was just always the good hearted dude that uh that helped everybody out. But then again, like you said, he was a guy born in nineteen sixteen. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. And he grew up in that era. And he I'm sure he I'm sure he did that with not an ounce of hate in his heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He probably didn't have hatred toward him. It was just, well, this would probably this is how things are and and uh, this would be better suited for them. And, and I don't, he, he probably, you know, I don't know where he would stand today if he was, if he was still with us. And, you know, I've, I've often wondered that about my grandparents, like, would they have bought Trump? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> would they have rolled along with that or would they not have? But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people like that were, it, it was their raising, but I don't think that we should use that as our excuse to continue being that way. Right. You know? mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of where I draw the line. It's like, okay, Maybe my grandparents, my parents, and even myself, you know, we were raised up and we said certain things along the way. And I'm guilty of laughing at certain jokes and laughing at certain songs. And, you know, there come a point where I had to realize, you know, hey, that's wrong. And, you know, and, and, and not carry that on and just and try to find a way to just excuse it, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. But, uh, yeah, man, I really have enjoyed this conversation. I knew it would be a good one and I just wanted to never really got a chance to talk with you. So I did want to personally thank you for in the beginning there, stitching my videos and sharing them. And you really helped kind of get my ball rolling. Cause I didn't know what I was doing on TikTok when I started. I I've told people before, I just literally, you know, didn't feel like typing that day and decided to talk into my phone. Uh huh. Right. And then, uh, and now it's almost just become, it's become what I do, you know? And so, uh, I, I appreciate your support and, and I always, I always look forward to your videos. I usually, you know, I'm hitting the like button before you're done talking because I know I'm going to want to save it and 
Yeah. I've got my mom and dad on TikTok. They don't, they don't make TikTok videos, but they both got TikTok on their phone. They can watch and uh, that neither one of them are very tech savvy, but I've went through and like followed all the people that I think they would like. And there's a lot of times my mom was like, Hey, Superman Todd put up a really good one. You got to go check it out. That means the world to me. I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. So uh, I just really appreciate you being on the show, man. And it's, it's really been a great conversation and I wish you well. And uh, I'm always looking forward to what you put out into the world. Cause I think you're a voice we need, we need to hear. I appreciate it. And I feel the same way about you. All right, man. Well, it's, it's been a great time, and uh, come back anytime. If you ever want to come back on the show, just holler. The door's always open. Yes, sir. All right. Well, you have a good day, man. Thank you. You too. Bye. Once again, I have to say thanks to Superman Todd for being on the show. I knew that was going to be a good conversation before we even had it because he's been one of my favorite creators since I joined the crazy world of TikTok. And um, I really appreciate him coming on. Um, I never have any notes in front of me. I never have any questions written down. I just wing it. And uh, I knew he was a guy that I could wing it with and it'd be a good conversation. Uh, he and I have never met in person. We've never shook hands. But that was done over the phone. But, um, you know, uh, there's certain people in this world, you just see them and you hear them talk and you see how they carry themselves and you say to yourself, yeah, I could carry on a conversation with that guy and have me and that guy went to high school together. We probably would have been buddies. So, uh, it was great to, to finally get set down with Superman Todd. And, um, you know, he always makes me think, and he's, he's so knowledgeable about what it is that he's talking about. Um, that's, that's always refreshing when you're talking to someone like that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of times that uh, I'll be sitting around and uh, I'll, I'll make a video about something and I'll talk about it. And then Todd comes along and makes a video talking about it. And it makes me think and I say, wow, you know, that that was. Uh... And then, I, then, then later on, you may hear some of his influence creeping in on what I'm saying because uh, he brings to my attention something I didn't think about. And that's what he did during that conversation. There was a couple of times. If I had been on camera, you would have seen me kind of leaning forward in my seat, getting excited because I was like, yeah, this is the conversation that I knew he and I could have. So, uh, again, thanks so much to Superman Todd for being on the show. And uh, he's always welcome back anytime. Uh, that's one thing I want to encourage all of my guests uh, to do is uh, come back anytime and talk because the world is always changing and we're always growing as people and we're always learning new things. And uh, so we can always come back and pick up the conversation where we left off and uh and continue moving the conversations forward. Um, also, before we go, I wanted to let you guys know a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I've actually written a theme song for the show. You know, I've always said that I was never going to do that. Um, I just thought it would be awkward to write my own theme song, and it and it is. But what happened was, last night I was sitting around picking my baritone guitar, and I came up with this riff, and um, I really liked it. And I just kept playing it. And I kept trying to come up with a melody for it, but I just couldn't really get a melody and no words were really coming to me, but I just kept hitting that riff. And then I was like, come on, come on, write some words, think of something, say something. And I couldn't come up with anything. And then I said to myself, well, I don't have to have words. You could, you could write an instrumental. And then I thought, well, wait, if you write an instrumental, this could be the podcast. <laughs> this could be for if these hills could talk. So I just kept strumming and I just kept picturing the podcast and I just kept picturing what it would be like with an opener and what it would be like with other instruments on it. And so I just sat there and fleshed it out and worked it out. And um, I'll be recording it soon. 
Uh, not sure if it'll make it on to next week's episode just yet, but hopefully it will. Uh, because uh, we're going into the studio on Wednesday to start recording Shots of Truth Volume 2. Now, I had told you guys before, I told you two weeks ago that we were going in there to do that. I even made a video talking about going in there to do that for my patrons. And uh, then we had some scheduling conflicts um, and wasn't able to get back in until this week. So this week, this coming Wednesday, we will um, head into the studio to start recording Shots of Truth Volume 2. And I imagine when we get there, uh, I will show that riff to the band and we'll jam it out for a little bit and we'll have a theme song for the show. So uh, I'm looking forward to getting that on here. And also before I go, I uh, want to let you guys know uh, next week I have a very uh, special guest coming on. I can't wait for you to see who it is. Uh, it's the one I've been talking about for a while saying I really hoped it would come through. I'm actually going to be recording it later today uh, at the studio, but uh, it will uh, be up next Monday for everybody to uh, to listen to. So I'm super excited about that one and uh, be on the lookout for that. I also want to uh, let you guys know that I now have uh, YouTube memberships. And I uh, said before that I don't have notes or I don't have uh, any scripts in front of me, but I actually did have my notepad laying over here that does have uh, the YouTube memberships uh, written down here so I could tell them to people uh, when I was making my video. Um I, I started the YouTube memberships. It's really easy to join. All you have to do is go to my YouTube channel and beside the subscribe button, there's a button that says join. And when you hit that button, you will be taken over to choose from three different tiers. And so at the $2.99 level, which is the first level, you will just uh, get a loyalty badge and you will get access to member only live streams. Go to the next level, which is $6.99 a month. You will get early access. To, well, you, you get the First level things too. So on the second level at $6.99, you'll get the loyalty badges and the member-only live streams. Plus, you'll get early access to new videos, member-only polls, photos and status updates, and exclusive member-only videos. Um, then at the third level, uh, you will get everything I just mentioned. You'll get the same thing that the first and second level gets. So you'll get loyalty badges, member-only live streams, um, Early access to videos, member-only polls, photos and status updates, exclusive member-only videos. And at the third level, you will get uh, connecting on social media and also early access to any singles and albums that I record. So the first level is $2.99, the second level is $6.99, and the third level is $24.99. And uh, so far, uh, last I checked, I've already got 14 members. Uh, one person is doing the $24.99 a month, so... Uh, that's pretty cool. I, I wasn't expecting that really. I wouldn't expect it to catch on this fast, but the YouTube channel has really caught fire lately. I had some videos that really started doing good on there and I finally started getting the YouTube platform over. And so honestly, folks, um, it's a much easier platform to navigate. So uh, in the future, I, I feel like that I may start pushing more of my content toward YouTube uh, for the simple fact that uh, TikTok with their community guideline violations is just such a pain in the ass. I love the TikTok community. I love the creators on there. I'm watching every day. Every day I'm I'm watching Superman Todd and I'm watching Stella and I'm watching Mr. Global and Tom Powell and Thomas the Villain Bishop and, you know, so many of my favorite creators. Um, I'm watching them every single day. Um, but I don't post, I don't post as much on there anymore just because I get hit with these ridiculous community guideline violations that then puts a strike against my account, and then I get shadow banned and videos that 
was getting 10 to 15,000 or a hundred thousand views is suddenly getting a hundred views and it's just super frustrating. And so, um, uh, I may start kind of pushing my content over more towards YouTube and focusing on getting these memberships, uh, going and things like that, because it's so much easier to navigate. I don't feel like I want to give any more original content to Elon Musk. Fuck that guy. Um, the more I hear him talk, the more I just can't stomach him. And, uh, I don't feel right putting, uh, content on there. I share links to things on there. I mean, again, I, there's people on there I follow and there's, there's things on there that I pick up, but, um, I don't want to give a guy, uh, you know, to, to really get in the new, to really get in the for you page. Now he's got it to where you have to do the blue check mark. You have to pay for it. Used to the blue check mark was for people, you know, famous people, you know, that, that was that celebrities. So if you had, you know, if Bruce Springsteen had a Twitter account, if the blue check mark was beside of his name, that meant that it was verified that it was the real Bruce Springsteen. Whereas now anybody can buy one and you have to buy one to get into the for you page. So I saw my following. The minute he did that, I saw my following. It was growing. I was doing really good. I was getting a hundred, 300,000 views per video. Uh, I was, I was gaining ground like crazy. And the minute he put that blue check mark bump in the road, uh, want me to pay $11 for it. Uh, everything dried up and, uh, you know, I still have people on there that comments to me and I, and I, and like I said, there's people on there I like to follow, but, uh, I don't feel right giving original content to a person like that. And so I'll share the links from YouTube over to Twitter. I'll share the links from the podcast over to Twitter and I'll let people know what I'm doing. But as far as posting any new videos, you're probably not going to see any on that platform. So if that's where you're following me for video content, uh, come on over to YouTube because that's where I'm going to be doing more of my stuff and, uh, be sure to check out these levels. Uh, I think it's a, a good thing and, uh, the YouTube is picking up steam. And so, uh, be sure to, to check that out. And if you can join, join up, if you can, I totally understand. I know how hard it is to, to make a living and, uh, get by in this crazy world. And so, uh, I always say this to people, you know, if, if you have a few bucks and you want to want to, uh, you know, support what I do. Uh, I'm greatly appreciative of that. And if at any point it becomes too much and you want to cancel that subscription for a while and come back later, you can do that. Or if you don't feel like it's worth your money or time, you can, you can do that. I'm, I understand how hard a dollar is to come by. And so, uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you to blow it. You know, I'm just, you, you do what you feel. And, uh, if you, if, if you want to sit back and watch all the videos, uh, for free. That's, that, that's, that's cool too. Um, because I still, you know, make money off ad revenue and things like that. So, uh, you know, I just want you guys to know that when I'm uh, pushing these things, I'm not over here trying to grift you. I'm not trying to beg for your money. I'm not trying to pass around a collection plate. <laughs> I'm not trying to sell you some ridiculous flag to put on your boat. <laughs> uh, so just, uh, I'm, I'm, we're not going to have trading cards. <laughs> Although I did have an idea one time, me and my buddy had a, an idea to do like these old school trading cards, like, you know, like the old Batman cards. We had an idea to do that for my video zombie town. And then it was one of those ideas you have for a minute and then it never, you know, it never grows and never goes anywhere. And then, you know, Donald Trump does it and it makes it look so bad that it's like, ah, I probably won't try that again. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, there's a lot of good stuff going on. A lot of good stuff coming down the pike. Just be sure to, uh, tune in next Monday. The, the new episode will drop. It may have the theme song. It may not, but one way or the other, uh, you will be getting the theme song soon. And next week's guest is a, is a big one. And I can't wait for you to hear that one. So, um, 
Guys, I really appreciate you. And again, uh, shout out to Superman Todd. Uh, go follow him on uh, the TikTok app. That is where I'm pretty sure he's at mostly. He may be on YouTube. I should have asked that question while he was on the show. Uh, I know he's not much on Facebook, but uh, check him out and give him a follow. He, I know his account got banned after he had like 200,000 followers and his account got banned on TikTok and he's having to rebuild from scratch. So so get over there, follow Superman Todd. You won't regret it. If you if you if you had never heard of him before and you really enjoyed that conversation, that's his content. That's what he does. He brings out great points. He talks sense. He knows he knows his stuff. He's not just pulling random cliches and catchphrases out of his ass. He's he's adding something to the conversation that needs to be heard. So uh, go be sure to go follow Superman Todd. I'm going to be busy sharing his stuff today and uh, getting this episode out to everybody. And you guys do the same. Just share these episodes with people and let them know what we're doing here. Um, and uh, hopefully the pretty soon when I say, you know, y'all come back now, are you here or whatever, we'll have, <laughs> we'll have some outro music take you guys out. So, uh, but until then, we'll just continue to do these cold and, you know, dry opens and closes. So on that note, uh, I'm your old buddy, Tennessee Brando. Thank you guys so much for listening to If These Hills Could Talk, and I'll see you again down the road.